So last week then, we began the chapter of fasting from Umdatul al-Ahkam and the opening uh, a hadith, the first one was about not fasting extra days before Ramadan begins, that extra day or two should not be done, you should start when Ramadan actually starts. Also we discussed how do you work out when Ramadan begins. There are two ways of doing it. One way is obviously sighting the new moon. If the new moon is sighted, then Ramadan begins. If the new moon is not sighted, then you just finish 30 days of Sha'ban and then begin Ramadan after that. So now then, we're on the next hadith, the hadith of Anas ibn Malik, radiyallahu anhu qal, qala rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, tasahharu fa'inna fissahuri barakah. This hadith now, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is telling us about the sahur. That meal or that snack that you have, early in the morning prior to Fajr. The hadith says, make sure to have the suhoor, because there is barakah in the suhoor. This hadith is in Al-Bukhari and in Muslim. So what is the meaning of there being barakah in the suhoor? One of the meanings of that, as the scholars have said, is because it helps you for the rest of the day. That energy that it gives you to have some suhoor in the morning, have some small meal or snack in the morning before fajr, gives you some energy for the day to do your worship, to do your prayers, to do your Quran reading, to do your other ibadah. Gives you some energy at least. So there's barakah in that way. Also, it is mentioned that the people of the book, the people of the book, the Jews and the Christians, their method of fasting, their way of fasting, is that they do not have suhoor. When they fast, it is mentioned that they do not have suhoor. So the Prophet ﷺ told us to have the suhoor, don't miss it, to be different to the Jews and Christians how they fast. Also, the scholars they mention, even if you don't feel like eating anything at that time in the morning, you should still have something, even if it is just water. Even if you just drink some water, you have a couple of dates, even if it is something tiny like that, you should do it, because then the barakah will be in that. 
The barakah is in having that suhoor as the Prophet ﷺ said. So even if it is just some water, some date, you can't eat anything else, then have that much at least. What time should the suhoor be taken? This is one of the important points. When should you have this suhoor? Just before the Fajr Adhan. The Fajr Adhan should be when? The starting time of Fajr. The starting time of Fajr is when the Adhan should be. The starting time of Fajr is when you have to stop eating and drinking. That's the ayah in the Qur'an. The ayah in the Qur'an tells you that you can carry on eating and drinking. وَكُلُوا وَشَرَبُوا حَتَّى يَتَبَيَّنَ لَكُمُ الْخَيْطُ الْأَبْيَضُ مِنَ الْخَيْطِ الْأَسْوَدِ Until the lightness of Fajr appearing distinguishes from the darkness of the night. That is the Fajr time starting. Not the Fajr prayer, the Fajr time starting. When the Fajr time starts, that's when you have to stop eating. The Adhan should be done at the time when Fajr starts. That's when you have to stop eating. So you should have your meal just before that time. Just before that time. You should not have your suhoor straight after taraweeh, have a big meal and go to bed, that's it. And then don't bother getting up after that. That's wrong. The suhoor is supposed to be just before the closing time. The closing time is supposed to be exactly when fajr time enters. That's the closing time. It's a big mistake what some people do. Some mosques and things. You see on their timetable, they say fajr entry time is, for example, these days, whatever it is, 3.20 a.m. or 3.30 a.m., whatever it is. Let's imagine 3.30 a.m. They say fajr entry time, 3.30 a.m. Fajr adhan, 3.30 a.m. But then before that, there is another column, fast closing time, 2.57 or 2.42. Half an hour, 40 minutes, one hour before the fajr entry time. Why? Who told you this sunnah? One hour before fajr enters, you have to stop eating. Why? You don't. You can carry on eating until the fajr entry time. So they need to work out these timetables better. Whenever the fajr entry time is, that is the closing time. But they say, when the fajr entry time is, we should make the closing time 15-20 minutes before that. To give yourself some space to be sure. Give yourself some space, some leeway, some gap, just to be sure. That again is against the sunnah. Against the sunnah. The sunnah says, delay the suhoor to the last time. The last time is just before the closing time. So eat in the last 20 minutes, 15 minutes, 10 minutes allowed. That's what the sunnah says in the hadith. This thing in the timetables when they say fajr time starts at 3.30 a.m. Fast closes at 2.41 a.m. All of that 40 minutes, what for? Against the sunnah and there is nothing to prove that. That is going against what the narrations say. You're supposed to delay the suhoor near to the closing time. So that is what you do with the suhoor and that is what the scholars have mentioned. And it is something you should do definitely because there is barakah in it.
and it is opposition to the people of the book who never used to take the suhoor in their fasts. Then after that, عن أنس ابن مالك عن زيد ابن ثابت رضي الله عنهما قال تسحرنا مع رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ثم قام إلى الصلاة He said that we had the suhoor with the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم We had the suhoor with the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم on this occasion ثُمَّ قَامَ إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ Then after the suhood, the Prophet got up to pray the Fajr prayer now, lead the Fajr prayer. قَالَ أَنَسْ قُلْتُ لِزَيْدِ Anas ibn Malik said to Zayd ibn Thabit, كَمْ كَانَ بَيْنَ الْأَذَانِ وَالصُحُورِ What was the gap between the suhoor and the adhan? Between the suhoor and the adhan. And the meaning of the adhan, as you see the explanation of these hadith, is the iqama. Because in Arabic, the iqama can be called adhan. There are some hadith which say, make dua between the two adhans. Which two adhans do you make dua between? The meaning of it is the adhan, and the second adhan is the iqama. So here the hadith is talking about the iqama and the suhoor. He's asking him, how much time was there from when the Prophet ﷺ stopped eating and the iqama happened for the prayer? How much time was there from the close time, as we say, up until the iqama for the prayer? So Zayd ibn Thabit said to him, how much? How much time should there be? Now if you look on the timetables of some mosques, two hours, mashaAllah. One hour, 40 minutes. One hour, 30 minutes. How much was the gap? This companion told him. From when the Prophet ﷺ stopped eating until when the prayer was being prayed. In the hadith it mentions Qadru Khamsina Ayah. Fifty ayahs of the Quran. How long does it take you to recite fifty five zero fifty ayahs of the Quran? A few minutes? Five maybe more than five, five, ten, fifteen max. That's all it takes, 50 ayahs. How many is 50 ayahs? Two, three pages or something? Five pages, six pages maybe? How long to read that much? 10 minutes? 15 minutes? Even if you're slow, 20 minutes. Five or six pages of the Qur'an, 50 ayahs. He says that's what the gap was. From the close time, when the Prophet stopped eating, up until when the iqama and the prayer started. 50 ayahs. Try it. Recite 50 ayahs of the Qur'an. How long does it take? 15 minutes, 20 minutes max. 50 ayahs, 4 or 5, 6 pages. That was the gap. Meaning the Prophet ﷺ used to carry on eating right up until the close time. Right to the end. When the close time happened, stop there. Not stop 40 minutes, 1 hour before the close time. So they used to stop right at the end. Then 10, 20 minutes, iqama prayer starts. Because of course they used to pray fajr as well. As the sunnah is, in the beginning time, as soon as the time for Fajr enters, then very soon after that they would pray the Jama'ah. So there you can see 50 ayahs, 10, 15, 20 minutes. The time enters, they stop eating. 10, 15, 20 minutes later, the Jama'ah for Fajr. So that shows you, you can carry on eating right to the last minute.
So now the Sheikh he says here, this is the explanation of Sheikh Al-Bassam, وَبِهَذَا نَعْلَمْ أَنَّمَا يَجْعَلُهُ النَّاسِ فِي وَقْتَيْنِ وَقْتْ لِلْإِمْسَاكِ وَوَقْتْ لِطُلُوعِ الْفَجَرِ بِدْعَةِ He says it is an innovation what people have done. Where they have a close time, then later on they have the Fajr entry time. And there's a gap of half an hour, 40 minutes in between. That's a bid'ah. Why do they do it? They say, let's just be safe. Let's make sure we've definitely stopped eating before Fajr time starts. Especially in the UK, we can't really tell everything. Let's be safe. Let's give ourselves a half an hour gap, 40 minute gap. Wrong. Bid'ah to do that. When the time starts, that's when you do it. Some mosques, outside of Ramadan, you see that timetable. Like right now in this month of Sha'ban, you go to some mosques and it says, Fajr Jama'ah, Fajr time starts, maybe these days 4, 4 o'clock they might say. They might say 4 o'clock. Sun, sun, sunrise these days 5, just after 5 o'clock. They may say 4 o'clock Jama'ah, entry time 3.45. As soon as Ramadan starts, all of a sudden they will say entry time 2.45 and 1.30 and Jama'ah at whatever time. MashaAllah. In Sha'ban, entry time of Fajr is 3.45. Ramadan starts, now the entry time is 1.45. How? In two hours the sun has changed in one day? They, why do they do it? They say, Ramadan, we need to be safe. We need to be safe. Let's make Fajr really early to be safe. 3.45, people are eating at 3.30. What if their fast doesn't count? What if Fajr has started? That's what they say. And it's wrong. It's wrong. How can you change Fajr by two hours for Ramadan? Or why one hour for Ramadan? It doesn't work like that. The times of the prayers, they work throughout the year. So this is what the Sunnah says. But of course the people, they, they think their intellect, their understanding, their logic. They think they're clever. Let's be safe. Let's do this. Let's do that. Forget about what you think you want to do. What does the Sunnah tell you to do? That is the simple way. That is the way of Salafiyyah. You follow the hadith, what they say. Here the hadith tells you, hadith is in Bukhari and Muslim, that the gap from stop eating and praying was 50 ayahs. You read 50 ayahs. How long does it take? It doesn't take one and a half hours. On their timetables now, one and a half hours. Stop eating, then the Fajr prayer, one and a half hours. 50 ayahs will not take you one and a half hours. It will not even take you one hour. 10, 20 minutes, that's all it takes you. Hadith in Bukhari and Muslim. So now anybody wants to argue with that? No, we need to have one hour gap. We need to have one hour, 20 minutes gap. Then you tell them, you do what you want, we stick to the sunnah, hadith, Bukhari, Muslim. How can you argue with that? Then after that, hadith of Aisha wa Ummi Salama radiyallahu anhuma anna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallama kana yudrikuhu al-fajr wa huwa junub min ahlihi thumma yagtasilu wa yasum. This is talking about another topic now. This is if a person during the night, during the night in Ramadan, is it allowed for the man and the woman to have the intimate relations, to have the intercourse during the night in Ramadan? It's allowed. That's allowed. In the Quran it says that it is allowed at night after Maghrib, before Fajr. The night time it's allowed. You know, originally in the early time of Islam, what the ruling used to be? You were only allowed to eat, open your fast at Maghrib, and you could only have this freedom till Isha. 
the eating from Maghrib to Isha, the eating and everything. Then it changed that all of the night, the ruling became all of the night is open. From Maghrib till Fajr. So now from Maghrib till Fajr, you can eat, you can drink, you can have the relations between the husband and the wife. So now imagine the husband and the wife have the intimate relations during that night time. Then in the morning, for example now, he wakes up, they wake up, the man wakes up, and he has not made his ghusl yet. He never made his ghusl. He thought, I'll get up early before suhoor, make the ghusl, get ready, have the suhoor, and go pray. But he got up a bit late. He gets up and there's only five minutes left before the close time. Only five minutes left before the close time. So now, he's got a choice. Either he goes and makes ghusl really quickly, because there's only five minutes left for the close time. But if he goes and does that, then obviously he's going to miss suhoor meal, no time left. Or he could say, let me just sit down and have my suhoor, I've got five minutes, quickly eat something, Weetabix, whatever, and then I'll do my ghusl after the close time. Which of the two? Is it allowed to have the ghusl after the close time? Can you start fasting and you haven't even made ghusl from the janaba? So you're all saying, are you saying he's got to go and make the ghusl first before the close time? Even if you miss your suhoor. Or are you going to say to him, it's okay, you can sit down, relax, have your Weetabix. You can make your ghusl after the time closes. So who thinks he needs to make the ghusl before the close time? You can't start fasting in Janaba. Nobody thinks that anymore. So everybody agrees now, he can start fasting even though he's impure. That's what everybody thinks, that's the fatwa. Correct. That is true. Being upon purity is not a condition for the fast. You could be upon Janaba in the morning, and you got five minutes left, no problem, go and eat, have the suhoor. Make your ghusl after the close time, that's okay. But the other way around, you go make ghusl, can you have your suhoor after the close time? Nah, you can't do that. So you can sit down, no problem, and eat. And make the ghusl after the suhoor, after the close time, and that is okay, your fast is okay. Here, that's what it mentions. The hadith in Bukhari and Muslim again. Bukhari and Muslim again. That the Prophet ﷺ sometimes would get up at the close time, after it. Or he would get up at that time. And he was junub upon the janaba from the, the, the intimate relations from the previous night. And then he would make the ghusl and start fasting after the close time. So this indicates that it is not a condition to have to make the ghusl before the close time. That is not a condition. You could do the ghusl after the close time and your fast is okay. But the suhoor obviously you have to have before the close time. What if somebody, an issue that is slightly linked. This is if you have intercourse during the night between the husband and the wife and you wake up and you don't have enough time to make the ghusl before the close time, no problem. Sit down, eat, make your ghusl after the close time, you're okay. Fast is okay. Something slightly related. Imagine now you have your suhoor, pray and go to sleep after fajr. And then you wake up at 9, 10 a.m. and you realize you had a wet dream. 
What's the ruling on your fasting now? Wet dream, obviously you need to go make ghusl, but what's the ruling on your fast? So what are you saying? The fast is okay? He's had a wet dream, he needs to go make ghusl from Janaba, but you're telling me his fast is okay? Everybody sure? Alright. The fast is okay? Correct. Because, why? The hadith, رُفِعَ الْقَلَمْ عَنْ ثَلَاثِ And one of them is, النَّائِمْ حَتَّى يَسْتَيْقِذْ Or, in the other uh, uh, section of it, also, the majnoon حَتَّى يَفِيقْ All of these are similar meanings. Here now, the one who's asleep, if he has a wet dream asleep, not of his choice whatsoever. He slept, he had a dream and that occurred. He goes and makes ghusl, fasting carries on. He doesn't have to make up that day anything. Carries on as normal if he had a wet dream. So, this is regarding that particular issue. Then after that, عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه حديث أبو هريرة Again, in Bukhari Muslim, these hadith that we're doing in these lessons, all of them are Bukhari Muslim. So you don't have to worry about any of the hadith. Every hadith we're going to read, this book is a book where all of the hadith are just Bukhari Muslim ones. So they are all authentic. Every one. So this one again, Bukhari Muslim. Hadith of Abu Hurairah, radiyallahu anhu, anna nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqal, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, مَن نَسِيَ وَهُوَ صَائِمٌ فَأَكَلَ أَوْ شَرِبَ فَلْيُتِمَّ صَوْمَهُ فَإِنَّمَا أَطْعَمَهُ اللَّهُ وَصَقَاهُ This is talking about now, somebody eats or drinks something during Ramadan whilst they are fasting accidentally. They forgot. They just forgot. They were doing their stuff, they were doing their normal thing, what they do, and they forgot that they're fasting, and they just have a bottle there, and they drink one, and then they realize, wait, Ramadan, I'm fasting today. Accidentally eating or drinking something, what's the ruling? So it doesn't break your fast, you carry on fasting, do you have to make up the day afterwards though? You do not even have to make up the day afterwards. The hadith says here, Whoever forgets whilst he's fasting and he eats or drinks, then carry on with your fast, finish it. For indeed, Allah has given you that provision. Allah gave you that provision. You ate and drank forgetfully. That doesn't affect your fast. You forgot, genuinely forgot. Then it doesn't affect your fast. You carry on and you finish it off. What if now, one day then, you forgot and you're eating something. You forgot and you're eating something. You're eating some cake. Taking spoonfuls of cake. And then you realize you're fasting. It's Ramadan. So now what do you have to do? You've got your next spoon here when you remember. This spoon. Finish it off. <laughs> Quickly finish it off. Before you remember properly, quickly finish it off. That will break your fast. So as soon as you remember that spoon, even if you got your mouth open for it, this spoon, you can't take it anymore. You got 
the previous bite of the chocolate gato still here, here, you're biting it, you're chewing it, and you remember. What do you have to do with that one? That's already in your mouth, you're chewing it already. Go wash it out, use some water, whatever, spit it out. You can't swallow that one either. If it's in your mouth, and you remember, you got to get rid of that as well. You can't swallow any more once you remember. So even in your mouth, you swallow, wash it out, get rid of it. Anything else? No more. You must stop instantly when you remember. You swallow something after you remember, now your fast is broken. Now you've eaten on purpose. You remember, then you still swallowed. Now you'll be wrong. So then you'll be a sinner and you got to make it up. But otherwise, if a person genuinely forgets, then it does not break your fast. Here, this is all about the topics of what breaks your fast. There are two types of things that break your fast overall. Two methods, you could say. Two methods of having your fast broken overall. One method is by taking things into your body, like food and drink obviously. Taking things into your body breaks your fast, like food and drink. The second method of breaking your fast is what? Generally, generally. The first one I explained as a general thing. Taking things into your body, generally. The second one is, taking things out of your body breaks your fast. Like if you make yourself vomit on purpose. If you make yourself vomit on purpose, breaks your fast. If it happens because you're not feeling well, that's not your fault. But if you make yourself vomit, your stomach's really hurting everything, you want to make yourself vomit, then that breaks your fast. Also, some of the scholars have the opinion, it's a difference of opinion, but some scholars have the opinion if you do the hijama, the cupping, that breaks your fast because you're taking blood out of your body. So, and also with the intercourse, if you had intercourse during the day in Ramadan, the semen is coming out of your body. So things which go out of your body sometimes can break your fast. And things that go into your body can break your fast. Going into your body, that's obvious food and drink like we just mentioned. If it's forgetfully, no problem. On purpose, of course, it breaks your fast. Other things that are similar to that then, medications. A person has medications they have to take. Pills, you're taking that into your body, breaks your fast. You can't say, but I'm ill, I need to take the medication, no problem. If you need to take it, you can take it, but you're not fasting then. If you're going to get better after Ramadan, your pills are going to stop, then okay, you can make your fasts up then. Doctor says to you right now, during the summer months, you need these pills every day. Okay, take them. He says, by the winter, you'll be okay. No problem, you can miss your fasting now, take your pills, and in winter time, make it up then. Make up your month when the pills finish and you're okay. If, what if, you've got pills that you take all your life. Last five years you've been taking them every day. Doctor says you've got to take these every day. You've got some condition. You need to control your condition. You need these pills every four hours every day of your life. Not going to stop. It's not a course. You've got to take them every day. Now what are you going to do? Now can you fast? Are you going to be able to make it up afterwards? So then what are you going to do? You can't fast. 
person per day. The alternative then is you feed a poor person for every day you miss. You got to give in charity to feed a poor person for every day you miss. And that's the same for somebody who's very old in age. If somebody's very old in age and they just can't fast anymore, especially now 18 hours, they can't do it anymore. Their body physically just can't do it. They're not ill or anything, but maybe just old age, they just can't manage that anymore. Okay, no problem. In that case, can they make it up afterwards? Obviously not. If they're in old age in Ramadan and they can't fast because of that, after Ramadan they're going to be in even older age. So you can't make it up. They also give money or give the food rather to feed a poor person for every day. Other types of medication, injections. What does that do? What's the ruling on that? Break your fast. The injections, the scholars, they say it depends if the injection has some nutritional value to it. There is some sugars or some type of thing that will give you some energy, some nutrition. Then it breaks your fast. But certain medicines, certain injections are for other purposes. They do other stuff in your body. Nothing to do with nutrition, no energy, no nothing of that. They do some other stuff in your body. No impact on nutrition or filling you up in any way or giving you any type of nutrition at all. Those ones don't break your fast. Because even though you've injected it into yourself, they have no impact on the nutritional side of things. It's something completely different with something else. Then that doesn't break your fast, they say. That is okay. Because there's no impact on the nutritional side of things. What about taking blood out? Doctor says he needs a sample of blood from you. Breaks your fast or not? So like we said, things that come out of your body break your fast. With the blood, the scholars they say, if it's a small sample, one small syringe, a small sample, that doesn't break your fast, they say. A small syringe... A small sample, that doesn't break the fast. But if he wants to take a big amount, he wants to take some it's a blood transfusion or something, he wants a big amount of blood, then that breaks your fast. They say, now you're really taking things out of your body. But a small syringe, a small sample, they say that doesn't affect anything, that doesn't break your fast. That is what most of them say. What about asthma inhalers? Breaks your fast? Put your hands up if you have to use asthma inhalers or other types of inhalers. Alright, so three people here. All three people here who use the inhalers, you're agreed that your fast breaks if you use the inhaler. You're not? You say it does, you say it doesn't. Who's the last one? Does it break it or not? It? Uh huh. So, there are some scholars who do say it breaks your fast. But most of them actually, like Sheikh Al Uthaymeen, Sheikh Bin Baz, other scholars, they say it doesn't. The reason being the same as the nutritional thing we just said. They said these puffs, the inhalers, 
When you take it in, when you when you if you just watch one, you do it on your hand, what comes out? Vapor. Just vapor, mist. There's no real it's not food. You could have twenty of those, it's not gonna fill you up. It's not food, it's not nutritional value. Everybody's gonna agree there's no nutritional value in that. So because there's no nutritional value, it's just air basically. You you go in a big big breath of air. That's almost the same as the puff. There's hardly anything there. It's just vapor. It's just air. There's no real solid. There's no real thing to it. So the scholars, they say because of that, because there's really nothing to it, there might be some little bit of taste. It does have something. But there's nothing of any significance. There's nothing of any significance. Nutritionally, nothing. You could have 20 of those, 100 of those, it don't do anything. Nutritionally, it doesn't do anything for you. So many of them, they do say it's allowed, it doesn't break your fast. Many of them say it doesn't break your fast. You can have the asthma inhalers during the fasting. One other thing we could mention is issues that scholars talk about on here. Brushing your teeth and mouthwash. What's the ruling on that? Using toothpaste as well? Mm -hmm. So, brushing your teeth with toothpaste when you're fasting. Scholars, they say, if it is a very strong flavored toothpaste, if it's a very strong flavored toothpaste, you get toothpaste now, very strong flavor, those mint flavors and everything. Very strong flavored one, they say, don't use it. Something which is minor, the minor type of toothpaste, it's not a heavy-duty toothpaste, the 16P one, no-frills one. Those kind of ones, not really much to it. It's a paste, there's not much taste to it, there's not much chemicals in it. It's a cheap one, or even expensive one, but it doesn't have much taste to it, it doesn't have much flavor to it. Those ones, they say, okay, you can use them, use them. You can, but be very careful still. Because if you end up using water afterwards and swallowing it, you're in problems. That's why they say really best thing to do is, whilst you're fasting, just don't brush your teeth when you're fasting. When you finish your suhoor, brush your teeth straight after, before the close time. Brush it straight after the suhoor and the close time. And then all day, you're not going to eat anything anyway, so it's not like you need to brush your teeth. In the evening, after your iftar, brush them again. So you don't need to brush them during the day when you're fasting. That's the best thing. Best thing, avoid brushing your teeth when you're fasting. If you have to, you really have to, you had your big suhoor, mashaAllah, and then afterwards, after the close time you remembered, and you got all the taste in your mouth and everything, then you really want to brush them out. You can, but just be very careful. Very careful. And don't use strong toothpaste. Use some mild toothpaste and be very careful not to swallow anything. That reminds me with the suhoor. How much should you eat in the suhoor? Just reminded me now, a person finishes his big meal, got all the taste in his mouth, it's got the coke taste and the, the, the paratha and everything, all the taste is there. So what are you going to do now? How much are you supposed to eat in the morning for suhoor? How much are you supposed to eat? The elders, mashallah, the elders, they will know about 
the full meals, you get the chapati, you get all the big curry plates. You have a big meal, mashallah. The youngsters, most of them these days, quick Weetabix, cornflakes, these things. The scholars, they say, you're not supposed to have a huge meal. Don't stuff yourself. That's what they say. You're not supposed to stuff yourself like a big meal. Why? Because one of the wisdoms of fasting is that you're supposed to feel some hunger during the day. If you stuff yourself with a huge three-course meal, you might not even get hungry all day, maybe right at the end just before Maghrib a little bit and you eat again. They say you're going to miss out on one of the wisdoms of fasting. It's not the main thing, but it's one of the wisdoms to feel the actual hunger. That's one of the wisdoms. Feel the poverty of the poor people, etc. So they say it's not something suitable to have a big meal and stuff yourself. So you're supposed to eat average. Eat something normal, average. You're not stuffing yourself, just a normal average amount. Enough to give you energy for the day to do your worship, but not stuffing yourself. That's something important. So it's not right to have a big meal at suhoor time. To have a big meal and have dessert and everything, you shouldn't really do that at suhoor time. That is not, it's allowed, it's not haram, you're allowed to do it if you want. But according to the sunnah, best thing, you want to get the best rewards and you want the wisdoms and you want to experience it properly, then you shouldn't eat a huge meal, just an average amount. Average amount, just to give you energy, get you through the day, but you experience the hunger. These days, alhamdulillah, the way it is, even a big meal, most of the time you're going to experience it. With 18 hours, 19 hours, it doesn't really make a big difference. You could have a big meal, you're still going to get hungry by 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock. I doubt there's anybody who can eat enough to survive all the way till 9, 30, 10 p.m. without feeling any hunger. So now it's a bit easier. But in winter days, in winter days, starts at 7 a.m., finishes at 4 p.m. If you have a big meal, you won't even feel it all day. Most people, most people, it's normal. Most people have something in the morning, they'll be out working this, that, they don't even eat till 4 o'clock. So for many people, it's not like even they're fasting. So in winter, especially, you need to be careful, don't have too much at suhoor. Have just a small amount, allow yourself to become a little bit hungry during the day. So that is what they mentioned there. Any questions up to that so far? For the iftar now you're talking about. For the iftar, the ahadith, they say the opposite of suhoor. Suhoor, you're supposed to delay it to the close time. Iftar, you're supposed to do it as early as possible next to the close time. as uh, The open time. As soon as the open time happens, which is Maghrib time, you should open your fast. In the hadith it mentions, لا يزال الناس بخير والأمة على الخير ما عجل الفطر. That this ummah will remain upon goodness as long as they hasten to open their fast quickly on time. In the hadith Qudsi it says that Allah mentioned, أحب عبادي إلي أعجلهم فطرة. The most beloved of my servants are the ones who open their fast quickly on time. So the iftar should be done on time. If the adhan is being delayed and you know for definite, Maghrib time starts at 
these days, whatever, 9 p.m., and they're doing the adhan at 10 past 9, you know Maghrib is 9 p.m. Everything you checked and here and there, you know. If you absolutely, 100%, you know that the adhan is being delayed, you're allowed to open your fast at 9 p.m. when the time is. The adhan is supposed to be on the time, but if it's not, it's delayed, you can open your fast on the time. Because it's the time. And the adhan is supposed to be on the time, but if it's not, then it's not. You open your fast on the time. So that is allowed. Anything else? If you miss your, miss your while sleeping, is there any effect on your No. So if a person overslept and they didn't get up until Fajr Jama'ah time, missed the close time, no problem. Your fast counts. All day you can carry on fasting, it counts. The suhoor is a sunnah. You get big reward for it. But if you missed it, your fast is completely correct. No problem. Your fast is normal. Some people, mashallah, they have a different fatwa. Some people, mashallah, have a very good fatwa for themselves. They say, if you miss the suhoor, the fast doesn't count. They say, oh, you no food. Oh, I'm, all day I'm going to 18 hours, I've missed the suhoor. So I, my, the, no fast, no fast today. I'm just going to eat today. I'll make it up afterwards. Haram. You missed the suhoor, that doesn't mean anything. Even if, imagine somebody missed all of fajr, everything. Imagine somebody one day made the intention, but they, they were really tired that day, something happened, they missed the suhoor, missed the fajr, got up at 7 a.m. Nowadays, uh, fajr, everything gone by 5 a.m. They missed it by 7 a.m., 8 a.m. they got up. No problem. You carry on, your fast counts for the day. Pray your fajr when you get up. Your fast counts for the day. You made your intention the night before, even if you didn't get up for suhoor, even fajr if you missed it, you carry on, no food, no drink, you fasting for the day. It counts. You don't have to make it up, nothing. So suhoor is not a condition for fasting. It is a sunnah to get the extra reward. Anything else? You have to, you have to do all your fasting 12 or 18. 12 or 18? Yeah, 18 miskeen. By that time, if you haven't been fasting, you need to be... Do you have to go to school to fast? How old are you? Twelve. You have to fast when you reach the age of puberty. Islamically, when you reach the age of puberty, you have to fast. That can be different age. I heard the other day somebody was saying that one of their kids, eight years old, mashallah, eight years old, reached the age of puberty. So whenever you reach the age of puberty, then you have to fast, have to. Puberty can be found out by different things. For example, if you have hair under the armpits, or hair in the private areas, that kind of thing starts happening, now you have reached the age of puberty. So now you must start fasting. That could be 9 years old, 10 years old, 11 years old, 13 years old, 14 years old maybe. If you get to 15 years old and puberty still hasn't started, then Islamically you got to start. 15 is the cutoff. If puberty hasn't begun, and it may occur for some people, you never know. If it doesn't occur by the age of 15, you start fasting anyway. 15 is the cutoff. Prior to that, puberty is the ruling. If it happens at age 11, start. Age 12, start. Age 14, start. 
By age 15, even if it starts or doesn't, you got to start fasting. So that's what you have to look out for. If the person has reached the age of puberty or not. For boys and girls. Boys and girls. A person who reaches the age of 15, as Sheikh Al-Fawzan says, then regardless, you've got to start now. Same ruling for the Same ruling? Everything, everything. Yeah. The taklif. You are now responsible at that age to do all of the worship, even if the puberty has not begun. Anything else so far up to that? What about um, the schools are saying apparently you know, kids doing the GCSEs exams and whatnot else? Uh, reviewing our papers with the fatwa and that you don't need to fast. The fatwa is not correct. You cannot miss exa- uh, uh, fasting for exams. That's the fatwa of the scholars. You cannot miss the fasting for exams. And you know, in the olden days, in the olden days, scholars, they used to fast to make them better with knowledge. Now, us miskin, we need food to make us better. Ibn al-Qayyim, Ibn al-Qayyim and other scholars, they used to say, only eat a little bit of food. Less food, just enough for your body, keeps your brain sharp. More food, you get lazy. In the olden days, they used to on purpose not eat much because their brains were sharper that way. But now it's the opposite. Now everybody says, no, you got to eat to get sharp. You get eat, eat too much, you get more lazy. So it's different. But you cannot miss fasting for examinations. Hmm. Anything else up to there? One question. What child is young at 8 years old? Sustain all the 18 hours fast. Eight years old. Just eight years old. Puberty has started. Then she, he or she has to fast. Mm-hmm. So uh, a fast is 18 to 20 hours. Mm-hmm. So she has to fast. What if she can't sustain it? Mm, that's okay. So uh, if puberty, imagine it begins and it can start eight years old. It's possible. Nine years old is possible, especially girls. It's possible it can begin at that early age. So now the ruling is they have to fast. They have to try and fast. If, because they're still young, and they genuinely can't do it, they try now because the ruling is they have to. It's haram for them to miss. They have to do it. They try. They just can't do it. They start falling unconscious and all types of things. Then, as the Quran says, لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا وسعها Allah does not burden you more than you can take. In that case... If she just can't do it, she's still only 8 years old, she tries, every day at 6 o'clock she faints. So now she doesn't have to do it then. In that case, she doesn't have to do it, and she can make them up in the winter time when they're smaller. That's what you might know, similar to this situation, you know in, in Norway and, and uh, uh, Sweden and those places, you know their day how long it is? 22 hours, 23 hours. Have you seen their timetable? 22, 23 hours. And they have to do that. But the scholars, they said, if somebody can't, 22, 23 hours. If somebody can't do it, then okay, you can't do it. Allah does not burden you. Then you make them up in the winter time. Or when the days get a bit shorter. But otherwise, you have to do it. The ones who are able, they do it. All the brothers, we know them, they do it. 23 hours, they fast. That's how it is. The fatwa of the scholars is like that. This is the religion of Islam. 24 hours is the day. If the day is 22 hours, so what? If you can fast, you do it. If you can't, the scholar said, no problem. Allah does not burden you. 
then you can do it later when it's a bit shorter if you physically can't do it. So if she just couldn't do it, then okay, she can't do it. Then later on when the days are shorter, she can make them up. That's what they say. Anything else up to that? Okay, we're done for tonight then. Insha'Allah Ta'ala, we'll begin next week on the hadith of Abu Hurairah. And it is, firstly, the first hadith is about an individual who has intercourse during the day, which we know is haram. It breaks your fast if you do that. What is the ruling on him? What do you have to do if you do that? Because if you do that, it's not just make the day up afterwards. There's a lot more you have to do. Much more you have to do. So we'll start with that hadith next time. Then after that, it's going to be the chapter about traveling. If you are traveling in Ramadan, what's the rulings for you? Fasting when you are traveling. There's some differences of opinion about that too. So we'll discuss about that topic as well when you are traveling. And whether you have to fast or you don't have to fast. And then also there's going to be the topic. Imagine... Imagine uh, somebody this year misses one week of fasting because they got a fever. So they couldn't fast for one week. After Eid, obviously the ruling is they have to make up those days when they get better. But after Eid, on Eid day, imagine, they die. So they've died and they've got like this one week of fasting on their shoulders to make up. Is it allowed for the next of kin, that person's father or that person's son, uh, daughter, their relative, to make up those days for that person? Because that person died and he had that one week to make up. He missed the one week because he was ill. He had to make it up, but he died before he got the chance to make it up. So can the relatives make up that one week for him? Well, well, wait one week. You can discuss it next week. <laughs> next week, inshallah ta'ala, they, these will be the topics. And uh, can we begin at uh, 7 p.m. again? 7 p.m. inshallah. Huh? That's okay? What time is it? Asr? 7? So straight 7.15 then. 7.15 after the prayer. Straight after the prayer, 7.15 p.m. will start. So come straight away. 7 o'clock, 7.15 will start again. Same as today, inshallah. وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين